0: On the next through line from NPR.
1: I think the thing that made them the most dangerous was the way that they went cross-racial organizing with explicit anti-imperialist Marxist politics.
2: Why the FBI targeted the Black Panther Party.
1: Tuesday afternoon at 2 on Radio Catskill. Joseph Boulogne Chevalier de Saint-Georges was accompanied by Marie Antoinette as he performed his violin sonatas. Shirley Thompson was commissioned to compose a symphony for Queen Elizabeth's Golden Jubilee. They're just two of the many composers whose works you'll hear on Something Old, Something New's Celebration of Black Composers, Thursday morning at 10.
3: Support for Radio Catskill comes from Van Gorders Furniture, featuring lodge and Adirondack styles, as well as rustic collections. With showrooms at Lake Wallen downtown Honesdale, and Milford, PA, Van Gorders Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com From Dog Mountain Lodge, providing dog boarding and grooming. Also boarding cats, birds, and other exotic pets. Located in Kashecta, New York, and on the web at DogMountainLodge.com And from listeners like you
2: welcome to the local edition news and information keeping you connected in the catskills in northeast pennsylvania i'm your host jason dole coming up we'll do our weekly check-in with the sullivan county democrat getting the latest local news we also be talking about emergency services response in Sullivan County. Alex Rao from Sullivan County 911 and EMS Services will join us live coming up. First up, we do have some news from Albany. Republicans in the New York State Senate spoke out for the first time since filing a lawsuit to force a full vote of the Senate on Governor Kathy Oakle's nominee for the next chief judge, as we reported last week. The GOP senators say that they acted because the Democratic governor did not.
1: Normally, Hochul, a Democrat, allies with the other Democrats who hold a supermajority in the state Senate on many issues, but she's had a falling out with them over her choice for the new chief judge, Hector LaSalle. Many Democrats, including the majority in the party on the Senate Judiciary Committee, believe LaSalle is too conservative. In January, they voted against advancing his name for a full Senate vote. That angered Hochul, and she threatened to go to court to force a vote, but nearly a since since then, the governor has not acted. Senate Minority Leader Robert Ort says Republicans filed the lawsuit when the governor
2: seemed to have stalled. I sort of expected her to file something. It's her nominee. He hasn't withdrawn his name. She hasn't withdrawn his name. He's just sort of dangling out there. It seemed kind of odd.
1: Ort also criticized Hochul for lacking a clear strategy to get her Democratic allies in the Senate on board with LaSalle, who would be the first Latino chief judge in New
2: York. And that is historic. But apparently it wasn't historic enough for her to really lean in and fight to get him to a floor vote or even through committee.
1: If the Republicans were to win their lawsuit and a full Senate vote took place, Hochul would need the backing of some of the GOP senators in order for LaSalle to be confirmed. He does not have enough support among Democrats to win. But Senator Ort says he and his members are not committing to vote yes for LaSalle. He says they filed the lawsuit in order to enforce what they believe the state's Constitution requires, a vote by all 63 senators.
2: I have several senators here who aren't on the Judiciary Committee, their constituents who elected them expect them to get a say on who sits on the highest court in the state, the chief judge of the highest court. So it's not about anyone up here voting one or the other, but everyone up here should get a vote on that. I think their constituents would expect that.
1: Even though Hochul and the Senate Republicans are on the same side on this issue, they say they are not coordinating their efforts. Hochul, speaking at an unrelated event in Rochester, says she doesn't plan on joining the GOP's court action or even filing a supporting brief. It was unexpected to see them file a lawsuit. What I have said all along, I still remain standing strongly behind the, the premise that the Constitution, the state of New York, requires that the Senate consider a nomination from the governor. So uh, however that gets to the floor, the Senate can still do it on their own. They have that option, and we hope that this gets resolved soon. Hochul would not say whether she will file her own lawsuit, but she says she does want to see how the Senate Republicans' court action progresses. The judge in the case could hold a preliminary hearing as early as this Friday. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt.
2: And thanks to senior Albany correspondent Karen DeWitt from New York State Public Radio for that report. Thank you for listening. This is the local edition. And uh, on the local edition, we like to stay update on the things that are happening in Sullivan County. We do our regular county uh, government and services check-in every Monday evening around this time. And this week, we're talking with Alex Rao, Sullivan County 911 and EMS coordinator Who's going to let us know the latest developments in emergency response? He's live on the phone with us right now. Hold on. There we go. Now, Alex, are you there?
4: Yes. How are you doing?
2: Doing well. Uh, welcome back to the show. And I think I last talked to you at it was actually the EMS Week exhibit that they did over at the county museum in Hurleyville last May. Yeah, yeah, that was a great event. That was a good. That was a good event. And you gave us some good. Uh, local EMS history, and then also underline the needs uh, that the county has for uh, people to volunteer in EMS. Uh, before we get into what's been going on in the past year, can you tell us uh, about your role as the 911 and EMS coordinator in Sullivan County, what, what it is that you, you do, what your responsibilities are?
4: Yeah, so from the 911 uh, perspective, um, I oversee the uh, operation and the technology at our 911 center. Um, you know, making sure that calls get answered and that, um, you know, policies and procedures are followed and, um, obviously interfacing with the 40 fire departments, the 15 ambulance services and the nine police agencies in the county. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's the, uh, 911 side and then from the EMS coordinator, you know, my role is to kind of act as liaison between the EMS agencies in the county and our, our county government, um. Coordinate training and make sure that our our mutual aid plan is uh, is functioning. So,
2: all right. And um, so, looking back uh, at the year that was, uh, what what was the call volume for nine one one calls last year in Sullivan County, and was that a increase or a decrease?
4: So, looking at just uh, EMS calls, um, you know, overall we were up uh, from the nine one one perspective. Uh, I think we saw like a nine percent rise in EMS calls last year, which was significant. Our fire calls were up by about five percent over the previous year, and uh, law enforcement calls were up about three or four percent over the previous year as well. So, um, 2022 was definitely a busy year for 911. And as I mentioned, for um, emergency medical services, um, you know, we did see probably the biggest increase um, over the over the previous year.
2: Right. And um you know I I was wondering just because, you know, we are in the winter, we're dealing with a number of things And first of all I asked you you know, to describe your services uh and what you do. Um uh, do you happen to run the Sullivan County New York nine eleven Facebook page?
4: Um, I do, yes.
2: Okay, because that's that's a place that I go like for information, especially when when there's a, an emergency out there and I'm wondering what's going on in the county, that's a place that I go to to get information, so it's it's good to know that that's totally legit.
4: Yep, yeah, we certainly try to leverage social media. If there's a large fire or a, uh, an accident, we try to post it up there so that people could avoid the area and, and you know make on their arrangements bad weather approaching. We try to post some information up there. So it's certainly a, a good resource to turn to.
2: Well, along the, the bad weather lines, you know we've had we've had a lot of mild weather this winter. but We've also had uh, some some bouts of severe cold, uh, as well as a few storms. How How is Sullivan County handling the winter so far in terms of uh, weather related events?
4: Well, I don't want to speak too soon. We're not out of winter yet, but um, yeah, I, I think you know we're we're pretty fortunate this year. It has been a relatively mild winter. We had a couple of um, you know, one to two day storms come through, as you mentioned, the uh, the cold weather snap we had uh, just last week. And I think we had one earlier back in December. Um, you know, thankfully we have, uh, you know, there were warming centers opened uh, throughout the county, uh, tree and, and wire wise. I mean, we definitely had some power outages, I think, in this last uh, wind event we had about two weeks ago. Um, but, you know, it, it was again, with the milder temperatures, it makes it a little more tolerable but uh, certainly still, uh, you know, hats off to our utility companies for, you know, quickly restoring power. I know they've been doing a lot of work with uh, tree trimming and such, which is, has definitely made an impact.
2: So uh, as we mentioned earlier, and something that we talked to you about last year, being the EMS coordinator, there there's a need for volunteers. You're, you you uh, have recruitment efforts going on. Like, is that still a pressing need, and, and how is recruitment going? Absolutely.
4: Um you know we have uh, 15 em ambulance agencies throughout the county or ems agencies throughout the county um most of them the majority of them are volunteer they're staffed with volunteer um members and uh you know some some agencies have gone to a blended system where they they've had a turn to paying uh, an emt or paying a crew to be in quarters which you know for a small agency sometimes that uh, is a huge burden and you know we could talk for hours about, you know, insurance reimbursements and so forth. And, you know, uh, the struggles of, of the finances, but, uh, you know, certainly the majority of our ambulance services are volunteer. There's always a need. Um, you know, there is uh statewide nationwide, but especially here in Sullivan County, there's, there's certainly a very fragile EMS system. And I mean, fragile in that, you know, we, uh, you know, we've lost a lot of members over the years. A lot of people are working, uh, Two, three jobs nowadays, um, and you know some of the, the culture has changed. Even the the folks that uh, used to, the families that used to come out and volunteer, and where it was kind of a a right to passage, um, you know, some of that that ethic has changed, unfortunately. And um, you know, so we're struggling to uh, to maintain our our staffing levels, and there's always a need for more uh, EMS providers. Their you know training is provided at no cost. Um, the ambulance agencies will work with, with members to, uh, to get them trained, um, to teach them the ropes, how to, you know, how to respond, how to act in an emergency, how to, um, be prepared for an emergency. And, um, yeah, we, we certainly need more members, um, you know, throughout the county. So if there's anyone out there that has an interest, you know, there's uh, a couple of events coming up, uh, next Saturday, the Mountain Dale Fire Department, Ambulance Corps will be doing a CPR class this Saturday, the 18th of February. It is heart month, so it's a great time to get out, maybe take a class in CPR. You can find information on their Facebook page, the Mountaindale Fire Department Facebook page, on how to register for that class. And um, the following week, Saturday, the 25th of February, the Livingston Manor Ambulance Corps will be hosting a CPR class uh, at their station on uh, Main Street and Livingston Manor, and again, a great opportunity for Heart Month to, uh, to get out. Um, you know, we saw last, last month in the uh, NFL how important CPR was and being able to resuscitate someone and, and just being prepared yourself, so even if you may not want to jump into being an EMS volunteer, there's certainly some opportunities to get your feet wet.
2: Yeah, and, uh, so is that a good, is that a good first step for somebody who may be curious to do something like, like that kind of a class? Absolutely. Um,
4: you know, it gets you into the ambulance corps. It, uh, allows you to network and get, uh, get to, you know, get in the door, get your foot in, see what it's about, learn more, and, uh, you, you take it at your own pace. You know, there's no, um, there's certainly no pressure to, uh, to join an ambulance corps, but, we certainly do need help. We certainly, uh, uh, call volume is rising um, in EMS alone. Uh, last year, we saw, like I said, about a nine percent, which is about two thousand calls uh, increased over the previous year. So, um, you know, that's a lot of a lot of calls for for um, volunteer EMS folks to run. So, uh, we certainly would love to uh, increase our ranks.
2: Yeah, and you, you you know, I totally hear you on on the need and the scale of that need, uh, and also what it is that you offer in terms of being able to train folks. As somebody who's done this, you know, uh, has made emergency emergency response so much a part of your life, I was wondering, like, what could you say to somebody who might might possibly consider it about reasons why they might do it beyond just the need, like, for instance, like, what do you get out of it?
4: No, I don't think there's any better feeling than helping your neighbor or helping someone in need. Uh, I've been involved in, in EMS for going on 32 years, and, um, you know, most of that has been in the volunteer sector. And I can tell you that, uh, you know, going out and and helping people going into their home and, uh, you know, helping them in their, their worst day or their, their greatest time of need, there's no better feeling, um, you know, personally, than than doing that and, you know, seeing a positive outcome or knowing that you made a difference. So it is truly neighbors helping neighbors.
2: You know, we've talked a bit about how the, you know, various factors have impacted the ability to recruit and retrain people, changing demographics, uh, changing norms, um, and there's also changing technology. And I'm wondering if there's uh, changing technologies uh, helping with the work that you need to do, and and making a significant positive impact on emergency response,
4: there certainly is. Um, technology has come a long way. Um, the amount of modalities and the amount of uh, treatment that uh, a basic EMT can provide now is remarkable. We can do twelve lead EKGs in someone's living room. Uh, we can you know look for for uh, indicators of a, a possible heart attack that's ongoing, and being able to take them to the proper facility to Give them the best possible outcomes. Um, giving you know medication injections of epinephrine, albuterol to an asthmatic. So there's a lot of a lot of treatments that have uh, you know used to be pretty much reserved for the paramedic level uh, providers that you generally find in a commercial service um, are now available at the basic level. So you know technology's gotten a lot better, um, equipment. You know, you see a lot of ambulances today with power stretchers, so the need to uh, to lift, um, thankfully, is uh, getting a little bit easier. Uh, some of that's been automated for us. So, um, yeah, no, there, there's certainly, uh, you know, emergency medical services has come a long way, and it's only getting better. There's a lot on the horizon, um, and uh, as far as you know, uh, care and, and modalities, which I think are, you know, going to continue to push EMS and allow us to provide um more efficient treatment in the home.
2: And another development that came along, I guess just last year that wasn't available before that is the the new 988 line, the helpline suicide crisis lifeline. Uh since this went, number went into effect last year, um it, I'm wondering has that affected what you do and what's the difference between 988 and 911? Yes, that's a great
4: question. So 988 is the, uh it used to be an 800 number, but they've streamlined that to a 988 three-digit number. And that allows, uh, it's called the Suicide and Mental Health Crisis uh, Hotline. So if someone is in crisis or feels they need to speak to somebody right away and they're having a crisis uh, mentally, um, that's certainly the number to reach out to. They have trained counselors that are available 24-7 and, um you know they they can hook you up with the resources that you may need uh versus calling 911 where you know we may simply send an ambulance or um a law enforcement officer um I think 988 might be uh, more appropriate to pair you with the uh with the services that you need right then and there um 911 is always a option so if uh if you feel that you know you do want someone to to show up at the house right away and you need that certainly reach out to 911 but 988 is a is certainly a a valuable resource as well and we are working on a uh, we're working on a relationship with the 988 call center where we'll be working in tandem um to screen calls and vet some calls to uh provide better services
2: all right, and yeah, and I guess obviously, if it's a if if it's a physical problem, like some kind of physical harm someone's experiencing, and then then you would go for the nine one one, right?
4: Absolutely, if there's uh, an immediate threat to to someone to harm themselves or any weapons involved or violence, then certainly nine one one is the the number to turn to. Um, mm-hmm. looking for someone to speak to, and you know, you're looking for the proper services where you might be able to be referred. Um, or get some type of uh, other treatment, 988 might be a resource for you.
2: All right, Alex, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Before we go, is there anything else that you uh, wanted to get to that we didn't touch on? No, I think
4: uh, uh, certainly recruitment is probably the biggest thing I can mention. Uh, If anybody's interested, calling the Sullivan County Division of Public Safety. Um, The number there would be 845-583-0508. Again, that's um 583 508 And, um, you know, just uh, indicate that you're looking to join an ambulance, put you in touch with your local ambulance service. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it's people from all walks of life. Volunteers are mechanics. They're teachers, uh, stay-at-home moms and dads that uh, find some time to volunteer and give back to their community. So everyone is welcome.
2: All right. Well, Alex Rao, Sullivan County 911 EMS coordinator, thank you so much for the good work that you do, and uh, good luck in recruiting more people to help do that work.
4: Thank you very much, and you have a good night.
2: Once again, if you are interested in volunteering as an EMS responder in Sullivan County, the number to call is 845-583-0508. That's 583-0508. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. It's our weekly news roundup with the Sullivan County Democrat.
3: You're listening to the local edition, winner of two excellence in broadcasting awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association, Radio Catskill. Listen local.
1: Psychologist Andrew Solomon writes about depression, non-traditional families, and other topics that are still taboo.
2: I can talk
4: very openly about things that other people still have to keep under wraps and
2: keep secret.
1: An hour with best-selling author Andrew Solomon. That's next time on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on Radio Catskill.
2: It's a local edition. Every week we check in with Sullivan County Democrats to see what's making news this week, our weekly news roundup with the Sullivan County Democrat. And this week, Derek Kirk, staff reporter for the Sullivan County Democrats, spoke to Radio Catskill's Patricio Rubio about what is happening at the Sullivan County Legislature. They discuss the Sullivan County Airport and housing crisis.
0: So the legislature is taken to discussion once again about the Sullivan County International Airport and the plans, the proposed plans to reconstruct uh, one of the terminals there. At their latest special meeting, the Sullivan County Legislature passed a resolution to accept lead agency for the State Environmental Quality Review Act or CECRA uh, form moving forward with the new terminal. And in addition to talks of the new terminal, there were also talks of the cleanup efforts. Uh, following the investigation of the State Department Environment of Environmental Conservation and their investigation with the toxins uh, called PFAS, I believe, and how that is coming along. The Department of Public Works Commissioner Ed McAndrew said that the cleanup stage is still in its investigation. Invest- Excuse me. It's investigation stage, and there's no solid timeline as to when that cleanup stage will come to its conclusion.
3: So, just to remind folks about the situation, is that the Silicon County Airport it was discovered that PFAS or the the toxic chemicals known as PFAS uh, were found in the ground uh, around the airport, and this was due to in the past the firefighters would do the trainings on the airport's grounds and all the chemicals they used to put out their fires seeped into the ground. And there was a couple of reports recently that showed that there was uh, some infiltration into the ground and to the ground around the Selvin County airport. And they were in talks, I mean, a c- couple of years ago about when this cleanup is going to happen. So I'm glad they are starting. But as of right now, you're telling me that there's no end date of when this will actually happen. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, that is correct according to yeah. uh d p w Commissioner McAndrew, yes,
3: yeah. definitely keep us up to date on the situation. Let us know what happens because this is a very concerning issue that these chemicals are in the ground and there are folks who live near the airport. Also legislature, you had some comments made by the Sullivan County Human Rights Commissioner uh Adrian Jensen about the housing crisis that Sullivan County is facing. What did she say
0: yes yeah, uh so, uh, so the the Southern Human Rights Commissioner uh executive director Adrian Jensen spoke before the county legislature uh, the same day with uh the annual report and in that report she uh brings up issues uh, rel- uh related to issues related to landlords and possible negligence uh in their duties and the various sub- substandards of living that many in Sullivan County are facing. And she brought with her in her report, possible uh, remedies for in the future of reconciling some of these issues, including possibly seeking legal assistance or legal guidance for people affected by the sub substandard of living conditions. Um, whether as she said, it might be a legal board, uh, gathered to maybe provide guidance, um, to those affected, as well as uh, the possibly creating a landlord registry within the county so that the landlords may be held accountable, may be contactable, um, and may be regulated by the
3: county. So I just want to make sure this is correct, that this is a list for all the landlords that are, that are in Sullivan County, or just like a list of good ones or a list of bad ones?
0: I'd imagine it would be all the landlords in the county, just as you would have with other registries, um, just a complete list she didn't go into too much detail before the board on those ideas she she had they they were presented before the board
3: wow now taking a look at other news that's happening in the county the town of kosheckton is making some plans their comprehensive plan uh, that involves some airbnbs what can you tell us about this
0: the town of kosheckton recently re-looked at their town comprehensive plan uh the last time that the town comprehensive plan was updated was in 2011, according to planning consultant Tom Shepstone, who was the person to present this comprehensive plan before the board on February 8th after a, a public hearing. And according to Tom Shepstone, uh, the town has experienced little growth over the past couple of years, as well as a, uh, draw, a slight decrease in population in the schools. Throughout the town. in addition to that, discussions of Airbnb's and short-term rental housing was brought up before the board in regards to the comprehensive, me, comprehensive plan. Town Supervisor Gary Moss noted that registration of these short-term rental units are quite difficult, and that the whole process may take time. You know, as short-term rentals increase in popularity throughout the county and throughout the nation. And so following that discussion, the board accepted the comprehensive plan unanimously. That, that's uh, what's going on in Kashecton.
3: Yeah. As growth happens here in a county, towns and villages always, you know, re- sometimes revamp their comprehensive plan to make sure the growth that's happening within their borders is what they want. The managing editor, Joseph Abraham, went to a forum, I believe, or I guess a get together or a mixer of that regard in regards of tourism. It was held by the Sullivan County Visitor Association. What can you tell us about that get-together?
0: Yeah, so oh, the... Sullivan Castle Business Association and the New York State Hospitality and Tourism Association got together for a legislative networking breakfast. Prominent figures in the community gave praise to the tourism growth that the county has experienced over the past couple of years. uh, Topics that they went over at this networking breakfast were regional tourism funding programs and how New York State has also created matching funding programs, ADA website laws, short-term rentals, tourism improvement districts, and workforce housing programs, along with various grant and tax credit programs. So they they had a lot to talk about there. Prominent speakers that they had were uh, uh, CEO of Bethel Woods Center for the Arts and chairperson of the Sullivan Catskill Citizens Association, Eric Francis, as well as the president and CEO of the Catskill Visitors Association, Roberta Byron Lockwood.
3: That's all good stuff that's happening here in the county, especially tourism. Tourism is one of our main drivers, uh, economic drivers we have here in the county. So it's good that these folks are getting together and sort of giving an outlook of what's happening with tourism in the county. We were talking to the staff reporter for the Sullivan County Democrat, Derek Kirk. Derek Kirk. Thank you so much for joining us on the program, and we'll hope to talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Patricia. Thanks for having
2: me. Well, thanks to Patricio, thanks to Derek, and thank you for listening to The Local Edition. We're going to be back tomorrow, and we'll do it all over again. More news and information to keep you connected. Never miss any episode of The Local Edition. Sign up for The Local Edition podcast wherever you get podcasts from. And there's a slight chance of snow this evening. Other than that, it'll just be cloudy and there's no real sign of accumulation. Overnight low down to 28. Partly cloudy tomorrow with a high near 45. As so that means we're going to have some sun. This is Radio Catskill coming up. It's Laura Flanders Show.